Hello and welcome to another episode, which is technically our third episode in season two, if that's a thing. This is just year two of this podcast we've been doing, um, of the Christian Formation Podcast. And today in the room is uh, myself, Gabe Hassa, and Andrew Rutten, and Reese Peeper. Um, and today we're talking about something very personal, right? In an ever-polarizing world, in a world filled with... Uh, Democrats or Republicans or people who like rap music and people who like country music, um, there's something even deeper that has polarized us. And I think it is polarizing even on an individual level. And that is um, the polarization of our heart and our mind. Uh, I think in, in today's society, you can hear this in like love songs, um, or famously said by uh, Rene Descartes, I think, therefore I am. Um, whereas other people um, maybe view their heart as like the primary thing in their life. And today we're going to talk a little bit about what it means um, to have our hearts and our minds in unity together, which is, um, which I think is a, pr- a pretty hot topic and something that um, can help us not only individually, um, I guess, have a sense of meaning and live a holistic life, but um, as a people, and we believe as a church, to live um, radically different than the world around us, not um, succumb to our heart and not succumb to our mind, but both of those facets of us working together. And so thank you for joining us. If this is your first time, this is going to be really fun. Um, and so, yeah, r- briefly, let's open the floor. What do you, what, what, uh, what do you guys tend to operate out of well, your heart, your mind, some other body part? <laughs> I think I will, uh, say mind. Um, no, I think uh, you, you kind of mentioned this in your blog, Gabe, but I think I would say mind for myself. And I think the one of the ways that I see that primarily um, is that there's my my kind of operating system, I guess, is that if something's wrong in my life or if I'm wrestling through something, I immediately go toward the mind. And I want to either download new information or think about something differently. And if I could just do that... Um, then a circumstance would change. I'd have more wisdom. I would know what to do, whatever it might be. Um, and so I think just even from, from those experiences, um, I think that I can tell that I, I think that, uh, my mind would help shape what my life might look like or how to improve my life or how to make decisions. Yeah. I think that we can all agree with that. Like, um, at least for me, yeah, like I, um, I, I like to think that I use my mind a lot more, but I actually kind of feel like I'm a feeler. Like I, um, I kind of do things based off of whether or not they'll, you know, satisfy some sort of thing, you know? Um, but yeah, my wife is very logical though. And so I get a lot of that where, um, we'll have like conversations and she'll be like, I'm just like stating the facts. And I'm like, I interpret that as being like, (laughs) you don't care or like you're bored. And so there's this weird sort of relationship that we have. Would you say (laughs) that some of what you're talking about in the blog with the heart and mind, would it be fair to equate that to when people think through, I'm I'm more of a a logic driven person or I'm more of a emotive and and Mm. feeling type person. Would you say that's similar or is there something different or deeper that we're getting at with the heart and mind? Yeah, I mean, I think it's similar, but there's definitely something deeper, um, especially as we think of, like, societies as, like, a whole. There's sort of a narrative that we all kind of buy into um, just because, like, that's where we're born. Um, And so I think for us in uh, America, 21st century, um, knowledge is power, right? Like, that's, like, the saying that we uh, learned growing up watching Reading Rainbow. Um, And I think largely that's 
maybe the the story that our society is bought into so the more you know the the more education you have like the more power you will have in the world what would you guys say if somebody is listening and they don't really know maybe they never really thought through like wait am i driven by the mind or am i driven by my heart what's a couple good either for yourself or just in general what's some good tests to kind of see uh maybe what i'm primarily Mm -hmm. driven by more yeah, I think the test for me is how you make decisions, right? So when you're when you're faced with a situation, are you quick to just act um, without thinking, or do you really like to draw back and pause? I think for me, it's um, sometimes I'm so slow to make decisions. So I'm, like my wife always gets really frustrated with me because I just sit there and I think <laughs> and I think. Um, but that's not the way it is for for everybody. I think some people are very quick to make decisions, and I think that's telling of kind of that intuition or that heart that you're able to operate out of is one better than the other that's what we're here to discover (laughs) what do you guys see biblically as um is there an emphasis on one is there an emphasis on both um maybe moving from an experiential type thing towards uh a biblical response what do you guys see is there uh, validation for both emphasis on both is one rise to the top. What do we, what do we see in the Bible? Yeah. So Gabe, I think we see, you kind of noted some of this in, in, uh, your post, right? How Jesus kind of is concerned about both the heart and the mind, right? Mm-hmm. So it seems like there's kind of this balance there. Yeah. Uh, an interesting passage for me when I think of maybe which emphasis that, that scripture might take is actually back in the book of Ezekiel chapter 14. And in this passage, there's this situation where the elders of Israel, they're coming to the prophet and they want to inquire something of the Lord. They're trying to, to ask of the Lord something. And um, what you actually see is that as Ezekiel asks the Lord about this inquiry, the Lord actually refuses uh, to answer their questions. And the reason that he gives is that uh, their hearts are actually not in the right place. These people, mm. uh, their hearts are filled with idolatry. Uh, their hearts are far from the Lord. And so even though on the surface it seems like, isn't it a good thing that they would uh, be inquiring of the Lord? Like, shouldn't we be approaching the Lord? There's actually this barrier there that's deeper than their outward action. And so because they're their hearts aren't right. The Lord, um, he doesn't really care about their inquiry because there's a bigger yeah. problem. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Reese, I, yeah, that's a powerful story. It reminds me of, um, Jesus in, uh, in Matthew when he's talking to the Pharisees, I think it's Matthew, uh, 15 and he quotes Isaiah. Um, but I'll read it out of Matthew if I can get there. Um, in short, he says, this people worships me with their lips, but their heart, is far from me, which is kind of a summary of um, the story in Ezekiel, right? Um, or maybe I'll read it out of Isaiah since it's right here. It says, because this people draws near with their mouth and honors me with their lips while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Um, and so the Lord is basically um, criticizing his people for not worshiping holistically. Um, they say the right things, they do the right things, but their hearts are drastically far away and so there's this there's this priority that we see to some extent that god puts on like the heart of man and so i don't and this is where i don't think it equates necessarily to like being a feeler or being a thinker um but this is sort of like a deep rooted like um design of god that we would worship 
um, with our, what he calls the heart. And so maybe Andrew, you've been to seminary. <laughs> what is <laughs> like, what is the heart, you know, like what, like when we think about the heart, what do we think about? Is it primarily feelings? Is it primarily something? Yeah, I think, um, and you kind of quote a, a few different people in, um, in the blog that, that get to this, but I think the heart is exactly what you were just saying. It's not so much, uh, you know, certain people have heart because they're feelers and they're, they operate out of emotions. The heart is kind of our, um, our loves and the things that we desire. And so you quote, uh, James K.A. Smith in his book, you are what you love. And, and his whole premise is essentially trying to get us out of just, um, of operating as if we're just thinkers. Uh, and he wants to emphasize kind of the passages that you're saying that there's something deeper in us driving us, uh, which is the heart, which means uh, those are our loves. Those are our desires. Those are the things that uh, motivate us to to do what we do. And so whether you're logical or you're a feeler, um, I think what these passages are saying is that the Lord um, wants to operate in a, in a deeper sense, which is the things that are really driving you, the, the worship, the things that are um, the things that your life is kind of oriented around the things that you, you love. And so uh, it's not just an emotion thing. It, it's something deeper in us. And I think it's, it speaks to the things we love and desire. Hmm. Yeah. Dude, and that is, uh, that's kind of the heart of the issue, right? Like that's idolatry in its mm-hmm. simplest form, like desiring something other than God in place of God. Um, I've, I've been reading a book, it's called Images and Idols by some rappers and one theologian out of uh, Portland or something like that. And in it, they have this Augustine quote and it says, um, idolatry is uh, worshiping anything uh, that is to be used and using anything that is to be like worshiped. And so I think, yeah, like that's, that's kind of the heart of it, right? Like, um, over and over in the Bible, God's people turn, um, to something else for their ultimate fulfillment and God lovingly calls them back. Um, but yeah, there's, there's something there. Um, I, I really, um, I love this quote by uh, a cat named Ashley Knoll. So Ashley Knoll is, um, he is sort of like the, the resident expert on this old theologian, uh, named Thomas Cramner who helped write the comic book of prayer, which was vastly influential during the reformation. Right. So Cramner lived during that, um, that weird time when, uh, Protestantism was like kind of rising Mm -hmm. from like chaos. And he, um, yeah, his work was like the comic book of prayer, was so influential in helping people to read their Bibles and to pray and have like a spiritual life outside of just like the four walls of the church. And Noel um, says this in summarizing Cramner um, and sort of the reason why he penned the common book of prayer. He says, what the heart loves, the will chooses and the mind justifies, which is a very popular quote. But interestingly, what Noel says is that the mind doesn't direct the will and the mind uh, is actually captive to what the will wants. And additionally, the will is in itself captive to what the heart desires. He says it's always in that order. What do you guys think about that? Is is that order like true, false? Like, I don't know. Is there like some sort of, yeah, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting. I I think my natural default is probably probably not that like I, I naturally think again I I think you know I even use that word a lot of like <laughs> I I operate with this idea that my mind can kind of 
change things or if I just knew things more, that would shift what I loved, what I did, what my will desired. Um, I think practically as I look at my life, so if I just watch how I actually function, I think it's not true. I think that this quote actually is more in line with how I live my life, that the things that my heart really desires um, – my will is captive to and my mind then thinks and operates out of that because there's a lot of things honestly that I I think are true or I might know are true that my life doesn't really reflect and so uh, one example might be in my life um, I struggle a lot at different times just with uh, like money and generosity mm-hmm. so let's think about the Bible talks about uh, you know in Acts uh, Paul quote or Luke quotes Jesus saying, "You know, it's more blessed to give than to receive." Mm. Why? Well, I, I know that's in the Bible. Therefore, my understanding of the Bible is that that is a true statement. It is more blessed to give than to receive. If I look at my life, I don't think <laughs> no. that I actually operate under that. Like I, I think yeah. that I operate in the sense that I, I like receiving things. You know, like I like being in control of things. I like. Um, you know, giving a little bit here and there, but sometimes that feels like a pain or struggle. It doesn't feel more blessed to do that. And so Mm. there's something in my heart that's desiring security, comfort, whatever that might be, that's actually driving a lack of generosity, even though I know that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Or when Jesus talks about, um, you know, I think he's talking to his disciples or to Peter when he says um, that anything you give up in this world, you'll receive hundredfold in the next. Well, I know that to be true, and my life does not reflect that because I, I hoard a lot of things, whether that be not wanting to give up a reputation or uh, a love for family members or money or certain things in my life. And so there's something I think that that reveals that my heart actually desires those things. So even though I, I could think or know that it's more blessed to give than to receive or that if I invest those things in the kingdom of God now, I'll receive it more. I mean, God doesn't even just say, give it up because I don't want you to be happy. He's saying, look, it's just a good investment. Like give these things to the kingdom now and you'll actually receive a hundredfold of those things later. I know that to be true and my life doesn't show that. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I think some of these quotes that we're getting at are, um, again, James K. Smith talks about this. Um, just the idea that I think that reveals to us that we're not primarily thinkers, but we're, we're lovers. Like our, our desires are actually going to reflect um, or, or are actually going to drive us. And the external things aren't necessarily the things that we think, the things that we do aren't necessarily changing our hearts all the times, but they can be simply reflectors of where our hearts at. And the more that we do those things, um, I think it just shows that the disconnect between some of the things I think and some of the things I do. So I would agree that there's something deeper inside of me than just what I know to be true or I think to be true. That's actually driving my life. Hmm. Yeah, I've yeah, I've uh, I can totally agree with uh just like thinking something's true and uh doing the opposite, yeah. right? Like we all know the studies like technology and like time on like cell phones is like, you know, drastically reducing our attention span for whatever that's worth. Uh but I still love my cell phone, right? I still like do all of these things. And so, yeah, I'm I'm sure there's loads of examples, right? You think of any addiction, right? Um like we all know that like smoking isn't good for you, but people still like smoke. Um, it's because they like it. They like, they want it. And so they'll do it. And so, yeah, I think that, yeah, there's some very real ways that, um, our thinking doesn't necessarily 
correlate to uh, a change in heart. Yeah. Where would you guys say, where have you seen this in community? So I think, you know, I kind of reflected on a personal, like Mm. I can read something and see it and yet my life isn't living this out. As you guys have lived in community and, and say you've talked to people, can you help show maybe some uh, errors that we make and immediately going towards like, you know, if somebody's addressing a, a problem or they're saying, Man, I'm struggling with, you know, this thing. Uh, I think oftentimes we maybe go directly to like, well, think something different or let's try to think. Have you guys seen that in your life or how have you seen this kind of play mm-hmm. out, um, not just individually, but amongst other people or in your discipleship or in your community? I mean, yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of well-meaning. Um, so say you have like um, a sin or like something comes to light that you're dealing with. I think a lot of people are well-meaning in that they're like, you know, this is what God says and this is what is like true. And so um, I think it's it's right for people to point to like truth. I think the issue is like um, there's no, this might be a, weird term but there's no like game plan for like how we experience that truth now and so whilst we might be reminded of something we've read earlier or known previously there's no like experiential like thing like it's truth without experience like there's no i don't know there's no like posture change there's no like you know and so yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of people are well-meaning in that, but I just don't know if that, um, yeah. And would you I, say I is that is that wrong to go there, or would you say that just stops short? So if you're just going to say that, um, if you're just looking at some information or a Bible verse or something, are you saying that's a wrong way to do it, or that it's just not going far enough? Yeah, I think it's truncated. It's a little okay. short, shorter than it needs to be so say that somebody comes to you with uh, an issue they're struggling with and you do go to the bible or something that you've been reading what would be a good next step after that or what's the the further process that we're trying to take people to rather than just saying here's the verse you need to know okay now we know it so your life should be different instead of doing that (laughs) how do we take it maybe one step further i think getting to like the the root is super helpful right like like why why do you think that that is you know why do you think you want that or why do you think what do you think that that idol is fulfilling in your life um because those are sort of the questions that will help you clarify how the gospel can be applied mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean there's no i don't think there's a bulletproof solution but that's my first guttural reaction yeah i mean i think it's like doing versus believing right like it's really easy if somebody that we're discipling is, is doing something that like we see scripture says is wrong. And so the easy tendency is to say, well, well don't do that. Switch over to doing this versus like, what are they believing to be true? That's causing them to do the thing that's, that's not healthy or, or is destructive or whatever. Yeah. And how can they begin to at least think through and, and believe something different? Like that, that's the deeper heart issue, right? Like doing is much more in the mind in that switch. Whereas if we actually think about how we're believing about things, that's when we get to like the level of the heart where like true change can actually happen. Yeah, that's good. So I, what I hear you guys saying is, so take my, so if I were to come to you guys and say, Hey, I'm struggling with just greed and a lack of generosity. Like it's just not in my life. Um, maybe a good first step is to walk through some of those verses of like trying to see that there is biblical truth to, to know and to, to hear 
But then going a step further, not just saying, you know, Andrew, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So you need to just start doing that. You know, and so instead of just stopping yeah. there, maybe asking the question that you mentioned of um, you know, why is it that you're struggling with this? Like what mm-hmm. what is it that you are loving more than, um, you know, being able to offer everything I have to God? What, what are the things that's actually a little bit deeper or where is my belief if it's not just um if it's not in what god says where is my belief actually at and trying to get towards the heart of the issue into more of a okay it's not just you're not being generous but there's actually maybe a a security issue there and i'm i'm feeling more secure if i have enough money in my bank account than if i have like the lord you know and if i'm trusting Mm -hmm. in the lord or there might be um you know maybe a judgment issue and i don't think that other people will you know handle money the way that I would. And so I don't want to give it to other people. And I just kind of do things. And, you know, so I think you're saying to get to that layer and start doing some work at that kind of heart level, rather than just skimming the surface about knowing a few more verses and then trying to act on it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really good. Yeah. So, okay. So help me then think through, um, Gabe, you mentioned at the end of, of your blog, um, a few different ways that might help us, uh, get to the heart. A few different ways to kind of retune our hearts so that we don't operate just under, um, as Smith says, um, thinking thingisms, I believe is the word he uses. But So we don't just operate under this idea that all it is is just thinking more rightly. But how do we start to get to the heart? You mentioned three ways. Could you just kind of walk through some of those things to, to help us um, get more to the heart? Yeah, and um, so these are three ways. Obviously, um, there's probably a million ways um, to shape your heart. I mean, your heart's already been shaped somehow, and so you have some ways that your heart's being shaped already. Um, But for me, the ones that have been helpful um, are imagination, uh, habit, and delight. And um, I think the imagination is so important, especially as like a creative in Omaha. I see, um, I don't know, I just see uh, culture being changed and like the narrative of our society is shaped through the arts and what um, w- what they tell us to believe and what stories they present. And so um, when I say imagination, I don't mean like um, sort of like uh, necessarily like imaginary fantasies. What I mean is like the unseen things that we believe whilst not being able to see them. Um, so I've... Uh, I read a book about a guy, uh, about imagination and this guy compares it to like your mother's eyes. Like you can, you can picture your mother's eyes and they exist in the real world. But right now as you picture them, like you're imagining them whilst they exist, they're just not here at the moment. And so in the same way, I think we, um, we can tune our imaginations to live in the biblical reality, um, by like, I guess, um, by taking inventory of the stories that we tell ourselves and seeing if those are truly in line with scripture and the gospel, or if they're just, um, you know, maybe the story our company has told us to believe or, uh, the story that, uh, arts have told us to believe on the radio or the story that Omaha has told us to believe on the news. And so, um, I, I don't know, taking inventory of those things, uh, I think is, is huge, right? So, yeah, I don't know what you guys think about imagination. Yeah, I think that's really good. I struggle with that because even, you know, we were talking about this, Gabe. Even when I see imagination, it, it kind of makes me skeptical, to be honest. I think to like, wait, okay, so are we just 
like imagining different things, kind of like a fantasy, like you said about <laughs> God. And are we, you know, yeah. But I love that you said it's not so much that as it is um, just dwelling on maybe a, a biblical reality. And I love in we're going through Ephesians as a church, and Ephesians six it emphasizes that there's like a, a spiritual world and a spiritual war and these things at play that we don't necessarily see. Uh, and it's not always our current circumstances in the physical temporal world that we, we have, but there's a lot more going on at play and God is outside of the world. So it does take our mind um, into a sense of imagination to, mm-hmm. to focus on those things rather than just what we see or, like you said, some of the stories that maybe our world or companies or social media are telling us. Um, so it's very interesting to me, but I think that that's uh, really helpful. So how do you see that translate or move into the, your second option, which is – or your second one, which is delight? Yeah. So delight, um, I think, is a product of the imagination. Um, so if marketeers like Apple, you know, they tell us um, our life will be better because we buy their product, we've bought into, like, this story um, – in which like the created thing is the ultimate like delight. And I think for the Christian, we can, um, I mean, kind of like truth and, uh, or not truth, but the mind and the heart is sort of truncated. Sometimes I think we can do that with our delight. Like we can truncate our delight, um, by limiting it to the created thing. And so, um, whilst like coffee brings me great joy, I think, um, we can take that delight even further by realizing that it was given by a God who's created it. And so whatever, um, you're delighting in, I think it's, um, it's probably good and given by God to delight in that as long as it's not like something terrible. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, it can be soft and truncated. We can like praise like the created thing, which was meant to point us to the creator. And so would you say if, if some people listening look at their life and feel like, man, there's not a lot of delight in the Lord in my life, would you say that? One possible answer to why that is, is the imagination uh, point then that maybe there's not much delight because we're not dwelling on the beauty and the kind of the otherness of God. And and yeah. because of that, we struggle to find delight in him. I mean, obviously, that's probably not a, a clear black and white that is the answer. But could that be one of the answers? Yeah, I definitely think that it could. Um so as we imagine more of those things yeah. and set our minds on those things, it should, and again, this gets to, as we think about those things, it shouldn't just end there, but that should stir up in our hearts, this delight and affection yeah. then for yeah. the Lord. Yeah. And I think, I mean, with anything, um, like, and this is one way our mind and our heart sort of correlate, um, as we like think about it, I think we can th- like think, uh, about like the way that something has come like to us. And so, for instance, with the coffee example, right, um, I think in our secular humanist society, like we're prone to think like coffee, you know, I ask the guy at the counter and he gives me like a cup of coffee. But if you think further back to like where the beans have come from and the people that have made it and the fact that there's a creation to even produce something like that, it kind of expands your view into yeah. this reality that um, everything is sort of sustained by God as the creator of the world. And so, yeah, I think, yeah, you're spot on. Like and one way I would say that you can really uh, engage your imagination is honestly, like, I think that's why the arts are, like, so important. That's why I've, you know, I'm trying to start, like, a city group um, primarily geared at, like, capturing the imagination of Christian artists and non-Christian artists, like, because we believe that the gospel is the truly most beautiful, imaginative, um, or I guess inspiring thing that we can um, we can ever think on or 
have our hearts Mm -hmm. compelled by. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, if you're ever looking for something to make you feel uncomfortable to rekindle your imagination, I would just take a walk around some of the amazing free galleries we have in Omaha, Koneko, Jocelyn. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, that's at least one way that I've, I've seen the imagination affect my heart. That's great. Okay. Bring us home. What's the third one that you have on here? Dude, habits. This is like, this is the whole thesis of James Smith's like popular book. You are what you love. Um, and I think it's really, it's really, um, true. And I think Reese is going to be writing a thing here in the future about, uh, spiritual disciplines, but this is sort of like a primer on like habits and how they can be helpful. Um, obviously we all have things that we do every day. Uh, maybe it's waking up and turning on your cell phone and checking like the news or going to bed and watching Netflix. Um, but secretly those things are actually forming you in some way or another. And, um, and this is another way in which the mind and the heart are sort of brothers in the same war because, um, you can kind of design like your habits and you can, um, like that's one thing you can control. Um, and that's one way that I guess the mind could steward your heart. Um, and so habits in, in an individual sense are like the things that we do daily unconsciously brushing your teeth, watching Netflix, whatever. But I do think there's also a sense in which we do these things, um, communally. Right. And when you think of the rhythms of a church, um, Sunday morning our we have like, um, a habit, right? Like people go to church and they sing and we sing the doxology after every service. And those things are intentional, like placed there so that we might, um, I guess be shaped by those things. Um, yeah. So that's, that's briefly what I mean by habits, uh, sort of, um, the conscious choices we can make to support like unconscious love of God. So Gabe, does it all just come down to discipline then? Like how my mind influences my heart so that it can then reverse back the other way eventually? Or is there like still something? I mean, Jesus is the only one who changes hearts, right? Yeah. But I think that, um, if God has changed your heart, like there's ways to remember, Hmm. um, who he is, what he's done. And so, yeah, I don't think, uh, is necessarily like the solution. I mean, that's, that's maybe what like, uh, um, I'm thinking of like self-help books, right? They're like, Mm -hmm. do these things. Or like, you think of these books, like atomic habits or like, um, Oh, what's the one, uh, getting things done, like the power of productive habits. Um, but these things are only, I think helpful, um, like truly helpful for making sense of your life within the context of a redeemed heart and a redeemed mind, which only comes through Christ. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Gabe, would you help just kind of finish? Um, let's say somebody's listened to this whole thing now. They're maybe stirred a little bit to try and get to the heart. Um, give us maybe a practical kind of next step towards um, what somebody could do maybe even this week. They listen to this. What could we do to begin um, to grow in focusing on the heart or getting to the heart and kind of reorienting our heart towards God? What's good? first couple steps i mean this is a hard question but figure out what you want right i think uh the beginning of john like that's the first question jesus asks his disciples what are you seeking and i think it's a fair question for you to ask yourself in sort of some self-reflection like what uh what is it that you want like what's driving your heart or what's your heart driving towards i should say yeah 
That's good. And if somebody, how, how does somebody tell what they want? What's like a way to, if if you're like, well, I, I don't know what I want. How do you, how, what's some good indicators of somebody, if they were to look at their life to tell what they want? Yeah. I mean, um, I, Tim Keller writes a lot about this. So this isn't an original idea, but like where you spend your resources, right? Where you spend your time, where you spend your money. Um, one way to quickly see what you want is to maybe do like a screen time inventory of like where mm-hmm. you spend your time on your iPhone or whatever, or even just to look at your finances, right? Like that's like where your money's going is probably going to reveal something about, um, what's important to you. Yeah. That's good. Okay. What would be, um, maybe one more step for them after, if they start to process through what they want, um, how do they get even a little bit deeper to the heart? Yeah. I mean, it goes back to that question of why, like, why do you want it? Like what need is this thing fulfilling? Um, and I guess like, like, yeah, what need is it fulfilling? And do you realize how poorly it is fulfilling that need? Um, so yeah, what do you want? Why do you want it? And then I would say like to take that, like the next step further, um, not to just like turn to Jesus and personal commitment, but to actually like bring your faith community into it, like the Christians in your life. Um, so that they might speak into that and like, be like, yeah, like I actually have seen like this in you. Um, and like they can, um, not only like point you to truth, but hopefully like help you to, um, yeah, I don't know, to live in that new reality that God might be putting on you. So for you, like whether it's money or whatever, like I think being open with your faith, um, your your city group, so that they might, um, I guess the old school term is like hold you accountable yeah. to like um, to the change that you think God is calling you to. Yeah. And it may sound cliche, but I think also to praying, right? You mentioned, Gabe, that, that some of this, if we can put ourselves in places for God to move, but at the core, Christ has to do something in our hearts. And so I think even having people walk with you, keep you accountable and be pleading with God on your behalf. God, would you like actually change this person's heart? And would you help them move through this? Because if the spirit doesn't do that, we can change some of our external behaviors or the way we think or some of our habits. And I think the benefit of that is it puts us in a place for God to change Mm. our hearts. And so I think that's great. So I would say, yeah, I mean, I, I love that, that if you're listening to this, you want to take steps forward and getting to the heart, um, maybe take some time this week, 30 minutes and just silence and just ask the question, what do I want? Uh, try to do some of those inventories, um, thinking through uh, what it looks like in your life uh, of where your desires are actually at, what you want, and then taking a step further and asking, why do you want those things? Well, what's a need? What's something in your heart? Um that that is causing you to want those things and and i love gabe that you ended it with uh and tell somebody tell somebody in your community if you uh need somebody to tell you know we're here we can help you find people um but this really is done well in community and so um yeah i think we would all encourage uh that as kind of a a next step for us Um, so to that end, maybe can I pray for us? Um, Please. not just in the room, but, um, for those of you listening, uh, would this be a prayer that, um, yeah, that you can make your own too. Um, father, uh, would you search our hearts, Lord? Um, would you root out anything, um, 
that is not in line with Christ. And would you remind us of the new heart that you have given us, God? Uh, the new heart that affects the new mind, um, so that we might uh, we might live a life that is full into your glory, um, meditating on your scripture, inspired by your Holy Spirit, um, captured um, in our imagination by the goodness of the gospel. Only you can do this, God. So help us, um, help us to to trust in you and to um, yeah to yeah just to rest in who you've called us to be and who you're making us in your holy name, Amen.